listening to the Casting for Fun podcast, the show that talks about entertainment, sports, music, and inspirational stories for all to enjoy. We're glad you could join us today. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Now, here is your host, Albert Pineda. Welcome, everybody, to the Casting for Fun podcast. I'm your host, Albert Pineda. And for this week's episode, I'm going to be doing a deep dive, going into an extensive conversation with my good friend, Joel Tibbet, who's also hardcore super uh, Depeche Mode fan, discussing Depeche Mode's recent press conference that was held in Germany to announce their new album and world tour coming in 2023. Well, Mental More is the name of the album, and we're really excited that we get to talk about it. I mean, we love geeking out about everything Depeche Mode, so we talk extensively about what went, on, went down in the press conference. Uh, deep cut songs we'd love to see on tour and just reminiscing about how much we love the band. So this will be a really great conversation for myself because I love talking to Pesh Mode, especially love talking to it with my good friend, Joel, who I know loves the band just as much as I do. Uh, before I get to the my interview with Joel in regards to the Pesh Mode press conference, I do want to touch on sports uh, because, you know, obviously I love sports and I want to talk about whatever I want to on my show. Uh, the LA Galaxy are doing fantastic in Major League Soccer. They are back in the playoffs, uh, hosting a playoff game next Saturday uh, against uh, Nashville. So that should be really fun, really exciting game that they get to host it. Uh, I won't be able to get to watch it. I do have a prior family commitment uh, obligation that I will be taking care of, which was uh, going to be my my grandma's funeral. But uh, I'm confident the Galaxy will be able to handle Nashville. If they don't, then that's okay because, again, it's uh, for fun. And But I'm confident that the Galaxy have been playing so well since they've signed Ricky Puj and Gasson Brugman this past summer, two awesome midfielders. And uh, Chicorito's doing great. And um, Douglas Costa, the Brazilian they signed, you know, Brazilian international they signed earlier in the year uh, who struggled, is also doing well as well. So the, the team's gelling just at, right at the right time to make a deep run into the playoffs. So I'm really excited for that. And then, of course, Major League Baseball playoffs are about to go on their way. The, the Dodgers have been fantastic all season long, uh, heavy favorites to win the World Series. And they start their series against the Padres on Tuesday, October the 11th. In fact, when this episode goes live, when it's posted, the game one of the National League Division Series between the Dodgers and the Padres will be underway. So the game will be going on when this podcast is going. So watch the game first and then listen to my podcast. <laughs> okay, so it's really exciting time for sports. October is a great month and it's going to be great. Okay, so here we go. So this is my conversation with Joel Tibbet in regards to the, the Peshmo press conference held uh, last week in Germany. And again, we're really, really excited for the upcoming world tour and the new album, Memento Mori. Returning to the Casting for Pun podcast is my very good buddy, Joel Tibbet. Joel, how are you doing tonight? Doing good, Albert. How about yourself? Uh, doing good, too. It's, it's good to see you and it's good to get together and chat about Depeche Mode, which I know we can always do all the time. Uh, but of course, <laughs> anything else that comes up in the conversation, it's kind of just, as I mentioned before, casting for fun. So... All right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'd be doing a little bit better if uh, uh, the Depeche Mode tickets were uh, a little cheaper, but, you know, inflation and all that. I... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In fact, I, mean, I mentioned to you in the text as we were going back and forth about like purchasing, I would love it if first and foremost, if they would do a Rose Bowl show, but if not Rose Bowl, then any other big venue like the new SoFi Stadium where they can just pack in as many fans as possible. And then like the cheap seats would be, you know, I don't know, hopefully maybe like 60, 70 bucks. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. 
I, I mean, I, I have to say I'm a, I think I talked about it the last time we talked that uh, I, I know I watched the documentaries, the videos with uh, them a while back. And, uh, you know, they made a comment about how the, they didn't think America liked them and that the Rose Bowl show uh, back in 88 for uh, um, the 101 uh, tour was, was what brought them back um, to America and really made, yeah, made them feel welcomed here. Um, and, you know, looking at the lineup for the, the, the concert, uh, I, I don't know if that feeling still exists for them. Uh, I feel as though America, uh, the American leg of this tour is a, is a little short. And I'm really hoping that they start adding some, some venues and uh, secondary uh, shows like they're doing in Europe right now. Oh, yeah. You, you mentioned that. Yeah, there's been several like, you know, in Frankfurt and other cities that are getting additional so shows Milan and uh, there, there's empty dates right around March 28th, but they haven't announced any additional shows just yet. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, if they're expecting the show to sell out here, I, I, I don't know. It, uh, the Going on Vivid Seats a couple days after ticket or the day after tickets went on sale, it looked like there were still plenty of options. So, uh Hopefully they add more shows, but if it's based on demand, it's it's a little slow over here. It looks like. Mm -hmm. Well, I definitely think there's still a huge demand and huge interest to see Depeche Mode, but at that price, it can be a little. It's it's understandable for for people. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, yeah, exactly. I think the demand's there. The the pricing is is yeah. <laughs> yeah, and as I mentioned to you, I was able to secure my tickets through Vivid Seats, which is pretty awesome. But I, I did spend a little bit more than I wanted to for. The, the cheap section but but it, it should be fun i mean my wife's never seen him before so she's really excited so that's oh, gonna be yeah. Great. yeah oh that'll be fun yeah. yeah okay so so as we mentioned at the top of the show we're going to be talking about the pesh mode but more specifically talking about their recent press conference that was held on october the 4th uh so just a couple of days ago and there's some interesting things about this press conference so joel and i are going to get into this right now so so joel and i have been friends for 14 years i believe i want to say since 2008 since we, we first met uh yeah seven seven yeah i think i started 2007 and we yeah started talking passion pit and some other uh some bands back in that time and oh yeah 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 very but, cool, very cool. So, so great. definitely uh definitely helped helped concrete that you know the closeness and our ability to relate and talk and uh and whatnot so Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been pretty cool during that time frame. I mean, anytime Depeche Mode broke any type of news, so like a new tour, new album, anything that, that just came up with the band, Joel and I would just immediately text each other back and forth about it. And so when fans were speculating and breaking the news, hey, they're holding a press conference on October 4th to possibly introduce a new album and a new tour. We were just ecstatic and thinking, oh, this is going to be so cool. And then what made it even more enticing was that Richard Blade, who we mentioned before on the show, has a really close friendship with the band and he was talking about it too. So it almost seemed like it was legit, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but then we find out that nope, nope. Uh, the band responded back to Richard and said, nope, nope, it's not legit. This isn't from us. And I think they only said that because it got leaked out. <laughs> exactly. That's why I said they, they said it wasn't from us. They didn't say it wasn't happening. Yeah. So I was still very hopeful. Yeah. So, so sure enough, the, the rumors were true that on October the 4th, just this past, uh, you know, past week, uh, the Pesh Mode held a special conference in Germany 
to announce, yes, a brand new tour, uh, a brand new album that fans had speculated that they had been working on even before uh, Andy had passed away. And during the course of that uh, press conference, we got to learn a lot about that, which was pretty cool. Yeah, it was that was a uh, I think watching that press conference was, you know, it, I don't know. I just uh, listening to Pesh Mode since, uh, you know, my, my high school, my eighth, actually really seventh, eighth grade is where I started picking them up um, right at uh, playing the angel uh, hadn't come out just yet. But, um, you know, I've, I've been with them, been, you know, not as long as they've been around for sure. But, uh, you know, going on near 20 years now um and and i kind of missed the alan wilder days but the three of the three of them uh martin fletch and uh dave uh definitely have been the concrete soul of depeche mode so um you know i kind of grew up with that and listening to him talk about fletch being gone um and just really watching their emotion in it and and their sadness uh you know really really felt it um so it was it, it, was a, it was a heartwarming but saddening uh, interview for sure. Oh, absolutely. Totally agree. Yeah, yeah. So so we got the big reveal, the, the album title, uh, Memento Mori, which is kind of interesting and cool. Uh, again, we, we learned that it's a Latin phrase that means uh, remember that you must die, which yep. again, uh, it, it'd be kind of like, you know, just fitting that, well, they happened to call this right when uh, Andrew had passed away, but I guess technically what has they revealed it actually been in the works long before he died and that they'd been laying down musical tracks and actually recording stuff even before he had passed. Or at least I think they, or maybe it was more specifically songs were written, but they hadn't recorded yet. Was that right? That's what it sounded like. They, they, they knew the album was going to be named that and that they had started writing songs, but hadn't recorded anything with Andy. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then another cool thing that I thought was interesting is, uh, uh, I guess, during the process, they were the, the lady was interviewing them and they meant Dave had mentioned that uh, Anton Corbin, who had been their longtime photographer, had, I guess, was in the process of working on stuff, uh, mm -hmm. which is kind of cool. Like, you know, I mean, he's been very closely associated with Depeche Mode, probably more so than any other band, except maybe for you, too. Uh, so it, it's kind of cool that a lot of the, the pictures we see and maybe even like the uh, album artwork we see is kind of like his collaboration or his input and i know joe you're a huge fan of collecting the physical medium of the pesh mode i know you have do you have every album on vinyl or on cd i have every album on vinyl i have i think i'm missing uh two cds and i can't remember which ones right now and i have uh like eight of the albums on tape as well oh awesome <laughs> <laughs> But yes, everything on vinyl for sure. Awesome. Yeah. So actually just earlier today, uh, since I was in the neighborhood in Pasadena, I stopped by Caterbury and it was able to pick up a copy of uh, 101 on vinyl, which uh, was really cool. So just cool, cool looking through the pictures again and seeing all of uh, Anton Corbin's work. And in that he actually had input with the album cover itself with like that uh, uh, merchandise poster thing that they do so i was wondering since you're familiar with the physical albums because you have so many of them is there one particular you really like so not really counting the music but like the the album artwork or like the, the photos that we see inside of the the insert sleeves that you really like from their albums um you know there was something about uh exciter that always kind of spoke to me uh, kind of an odd album but uh 
it was it almost seemed like their follow-up attempted follow-up uh, of sorts to violator and i don't know if that's just because violator has the rose on it and exciter has like a lily pad or you know whatever uh yeah. like flea flower kind of uh vibe to it so i think that's just what i related that the music is is nowhere near the same vibe it's not it's not the same you know follow-up as i say follow-up but something to me at a young age always kind of picked that out really enjoyed the the artwork in there um and you know the the vinyls definitely didn't have as much uh, artwork as you know CDs had back then, where you could open the little leaflet. Yeah. Um, at least the, the vinyls I have don't have uh, many leaflets in them or anything. Yeah. Uh, so, but yeah, Exciter was was one. Uh, I think uh, you know Black Celebration, of course. It just it's just I don't know. It's the epitome of Depeche Mode for me. And I think that's why Momentum Mori is kind of a, I'm hoping they're going to have some good artwork on it. Uh, it. It's got that dark place that Depeche Mode does well. Um, yeah. So, but as far as artwork goes, uh, you know, I look at them sometimes and, and you know, speak and spell some speaks to me uh, <laughs> a little bit or, or just construction time again and seeing uh, the scythe and, and the, the hay, um, you know, and, you begin to pick up little details about the the images of just the album cover, album artwork that I didn't appreciate or pay attention to uh, in my younger years. Uh, now I kind of look back again, and uh, or not not construction time again. Sorry, I was talking about a broken frame. Oh yeah. Uh, when uh, <laughs> when I'm talking about the scythe and the, the hay and all that, but yeah, how, how about yourself? I mean, is there is there anything that speaks out to you that that I not thinking of or well the the album cover for violator i think i always just think of that as my favorite just the red the black back cover with the red rose it looks really great it's very simple but it's really mm -hmm. great but for the inside leaf leaf work like you had mentioned or leaflet um the, the the uh songs of faith and devotion looks really cool too i mean i know that was kind of like a tumultuous tumultuous time for the band where like the recording process was really difficult but i i love seeing that studio uh vibe and pictures of the band so and then i my, i do believe that uh anton corbin was the photographer for that album as well so i think it's just really cool work that he did and yeah yeah so probably i mean songs of faith and devotion is probably in my top three but it's probably also my favorite uh probably also top three for album artwork and as, as far as that goes so yeah no that's that's a good album as well though for sure yeah uh, I, I definitely want to come back to the co comparisons or like the connections for Black Celebration and Memento Mori when we talk about deep cut songs. But okay. uh, moving forward with the, the press conference, it was kind of funny to learn some of uh, minor details about the, the two bandmates that I didn't know that uh, I, I knew that uh, Martin was a big soccer fan, but I guess he also loves the, the team Chelsea from London and that uh, Dave is actually a, a season ticket holder for the New York Knicks for basketball, which was kind of cool. So I think oh. uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Martin lives in Santa Barbara. So here in California, but I'm Montecito, I think. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Well, it's just the rich part of Santa Barbara. Oh, okay. <laughs> and then I, I believe then if he's a season ticket holder, I would imagine that Dave probably lives in New York. I actually know. Uh, well, I personally don't, but I do have a friend who one of his groomsmen at his wedding, uh, 
lives next door to Dave in New York. Oh, awesome. Okay, very uh, cool. <laughs> yeah, so I do know that he does live in New York, uh, but I, I've, you know, never gotten the address. Uh, awesome, man. Very cool. Uh, were there any other uh, uh, talking points or interesting uh, stuff you learned from the conference itself that you want to bring up? No, uh, nothing. Well, so I, I can't say no. Um, I, I watched it once. Um, I was technically at work when I watched it. So, <laughs> so, so uh, you know, my attention was a little bit on just not, you know, getting caught doing it. Um, so I don't know that my whole head was in it as far as remembering some of the little nuances of it. Um, you know, I, I have to personally say, just as a little side note, that I think, uh, I don't remember her name, but the interviewer, I don't think that was a good choice as an interviewer. I think she was a, a little little off. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to be polite, but I agree with you. I think she was terrible. <laughs> yeah, she, yeah. Uh, wasn't well rehearsed, wasn't well spoken. Uh, there was a one point where, you know, I she she says, oh, when Fletch died, to them and the way they responded seemed a little bit like oh yes when fletch passed away uh you know we're still in mourning we still respect it we yeah. still think and i just feel like she came at that from a poor angle um you know so that, that was a little disheartening because i feel like i feel almost it was last minute because you know they didn't they hadn't rehearsed it because she she at one point says um oh we haven't haven't said the name yet and martin goes oh you have okay we haven't told everybody yet and, yeah. and then they say oh well would you want to announce it and that's when they announced memento mori yeah um but yeah i just i think i think the interviewer inter, you know she was she did not pull out of them what could have been uh, and i think you know after 40 years they know how to speak mm -hmm. they know how to to, to please a crowd talk to a crowd be interviewed the, you know that and uh it just it wasn't the right person to get the most out of them um but uh that was the, the biggest my biggest takeaway unfortunately oh, uh, yeah. was a negative thing but uh how about yourself is there is there anything i'm sure i've missed a bunch um that you want to bring up or oh yeah so actually so i i totally agree with you that i think she did a really poor job and i mean and not to like you know toot my own horn but i mean because i've been practicing with a podcast i think i could have come up with some really good questions that had been prepared ahead of time and, and like you mentioned as well try and pay a little more reverence and respect and understand that i mean for for them they lost a dear friend of 40 plus years and you know, it's still kind of fresh. And so, yeah, yeah. Uh, but that being said, I mean, when they got to the point where they started taking some audience questions, some of them were pretty good. So I kind of wanted to dive into some of the audience questions that they, they took, mm -hmm. which I thought was kind of interesting. Uh, they mentioned that the, the recording process had been done in studios they never really worked in before, which I thought was kind of fascinating, uh, mm -hmm. particularly uh, Rick Rubin's studio, who's, you know, been a, one of the most prolific like rock producers ever. So they asked, was Rick Rubin actually involved in the album creation? And they, they said no, that he wasn't. They just kind of used his studio. But uh, the concept of where you go to record, I mean, that could be like, a, I guess, a, an interesting fact for the band or something interesting aspect for them to consider because the recording process, I think, is really, really deep. And then we can kind of see that they started the process 
actually around the time that COVID started, right? So in 2020. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everyone, really. I guess, was kind of coming up with ideas. And then, I mean, I guess you start out in isolation first anyway. So even if there wasn't a pandemic, you would kind of be isolated from your bandmates initially and then come together with ideas, right? Yeah. So, so yeah, that, that was kind of interesting. Uh, they yeah. did one of the, one of the, oh, sorry, go ahead, Joel. Uh, the, I was going to say, and and this, they they recorded in Santa Barbara, they were saying, right? Yeah, so I guess they recorded in Santa Barbara, some also in New York, and I think that's where Rick Rubin's studio is in New York. Okay, because I'd always thought they'd recorded in Santa Barbara. That was my understanding is that, well, as long as Martin's been out here, yeah. I always thought they came and recorded at in Santa Barbara, but I guess I was mistaken or... Well, yeah, they definitely did. But I think it's what was kind of interesting is they were using multiple studios, not just one. So so they recorded some of the stuff in Martin's studio in Santa Barbara, then some in New York. Uh, mm-hmm. So I think they used the two. There might have even been a third one, if I'm not mistaken. But huh. but obviously, they're still in the recording process. They mentioned that specifically in the interview that the album was technically not done and they have to get it ready for a world tour that's coming up next year. So <laughs> <laughs> did did they mention an actual re- a hard release date or they, they didn't mention a hard release date, but I guess uh, Martin had said March of 2023. So right when the tour is about to start. Okay. Oh, that'll be interesting because, you know, so there, there've definitely been albums, uh, you know, songs are um, um, songs of the universe uh, was tough uh, to begin with for me. And then I really took a liking to it after listening to it uh, over and over again, uh, you know, going to the concert and then listening to it and then continuing to listen to it. And I would say that it moved up to one of my top, but uh, to just kind of throw fans the CD or the the album and then, okay, now here's the tour, uh, you know, is going to be an interesting, I, I don't have any time to really get to know the music, to appreciate it, to, you know, I'm still going to go to a concert. I'm still going to enjoy the music, but uh, it's, it's going to be a little different vibe going to a concert where you hear a song that you're like, well, I've never, never really heard this song before, you know? Mm-hmm. No, that's an interesting point. In fact, I was kind of thinking that during the press conference as well, or some things along those lines, because in my mind, I was thinking, okay, you've announced this album and you've announced this tour, but you've also stated that the album technically isn't finished. So I know they're professionals and they can definitely get it done quick, but it seems, okay, well, you kind of got this like looming deadline on you now. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, I, I'm sure they will get it done. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I think it's, it, it's mostly in post-production though, isn't it? It's I, not... I think so. I think they said that the, the uh, it's been recorded. So I guess they need to mix it still. So the yeah. mixing process, I guess, is technically not through them. It's through a, a intermediate person that they, they work closely with and they like and trust i'm assuming okay so yeah it's, so it's someone more... who works with the producer i think so it's kind of more the producer side of it in fact this particular record is going to be produced by a gentleman named uh i had his hair in my notes uh james ford who did the spirit album as well so i, I think he's a younger guy but okay uh, so I, I think he can do a good job yeah yeah that's i, I look forward to it no matter what i mean it's been I expect, and, and this is going to be the tough part. I have, you know, since finding Depeche Mode uh, and realizing that they do a four-year release, five-year tour, uh, thereabouts, you know, approximately, I kind of become accustomed, uh, become accustomed to it. 
and uh, look forward to the timeline. And so it's going to get tough because this, uh, you know, are they going to be able to do it next time uh, without Andy around any longer? Is this timeline still going to be a thing? Are they going to retire soon? I mean, I'm sure this will bring about a lot of questions. Mm -hmm. uh, and and I'm sure we'll have a lot of changes. You know, people, people have speculated bringing back Alan Wilder for this concert. Uh, you know, and then, of course, I, I feel like I read somewhere that Depeche Mode said we're not replacing Fletch. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if that's a reference to we're not bringing someone else in. Uh, you know, if they're just going to have the the drummer and the keyboardist now, uh, or the synth uh, player now kind of hidden in the background, um, you know, they usually kind of have Martin and Fletch and Dave in the spotlight in the past concerts. Uh, and then the drummer is kind of just sort of in the dark, I would say, not, not as well lit. And I wonder if they're going to do that with whomever's kind of taking Fletch's place. Uh, you know, see how that turns out. Oh, that actually is a perfect segue into what I wanted to talk about next. So the, they also mentioned in the press conference or they introduced uh, Peter Godino and Christian Eckner, who's been their, their backup mu tour musicians, which has been really cool. Uh, and so this whole week, I mean, my wife and I have been talking about it because she knows it was a big deal for me and that I bought the tickets for us to go. So she was asking me the questions because she's never been to a Depeche Mode concert. She's asking me, hey, how does it work if there's only two of them now? Like, can they actually perform with just the two of them? And in my mind, I'm thinking like, oh, how did you not know this? But at the same time, oh, yes, you've never been to a Depeche Mode concert. So you don't know what it's like. So and that, I mean, through their author history, like their stage performance has been different. I mean, if you go back to the heyday of the 80s with uh, the four man, the four, the four of them together, uh, mostly with synthesizers. But then in the, the into the 90s, particularly with the Songs of Faith and Devotion, uh, where they picked up more of the harder rock sound. That's when they had you had you know the drums and more electric guitars and bass. So they did have their uh, backup band. So I had to explain to my wife, yes, uh, uh, Dave Gahan and Martin Gore are backed up by a live band. Uh, so the, the stage performance is going to be really great. So that's actually one thing I'm going to be really excited for her to see when, when they actually perform on stage for the first time for her. Yeah, that'll be... <laughs> Can't get that first time back, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Watching Dave and his hip gyrations and yeah, dancing around the stage and... <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So two more questions that they brought up during the press conference that I wanted to share with uh, mention so we can discuss. Uh, it was asked of Dave, like with the landscape of the world today, what is the impact of your music? So I guess he was kind of referring uh, more specifically to the conflict in the Ukraine. Um, and then Dave had responded that we get to make and bring music to people and hopefully bring a sense of joy and happiness and that the world we live in always just seems to be, there seems to be turmoil somewhere. Uh, no matter where you go, but it always, there was always something going on. So it's it was a kind of cool response, I thought, to hear Dave talk about that. I we we as a band get to bring some a sense of joy and happiness to our fans, and that you know we can you know forget all our troubles when we go and listen to the record or go to a show. Uh, so that was a really cool response, I thought, to get to hear about that. Yeah, um, I think they mentioned also that they started writing this during COVID, right? Like we talked yeah. about earlier. Mm -hmm. um, so I think in part that was a reference to, you know, these songs are also, uh, you know, trying to bring bring joy, you know, not now that COVID's, now that we're through the thick of COVID, yeah. um, you know, it, it, it's not as much 
getting you through COVID per se, but I know there's a lot of thought uh, with the songwriting, um, trying to help people in that situation and, and, and talk about and bring joy, uh, you know, even, even to the bad memories, uh, even to your, your bandmates uh, passing away during this time, you know, any, and or you're right though, but you know, with Russia, there's always something, you know, we get through COVID and, you know, gas prices go up mm-hmm. and Russia invades Ukraine. And, you know, like there, there's always going to be something big happening in this world that's bad. And, and yeah, uh, you're right, Dave, uh, you know, I, I think hit, hit the nail on the head with it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And then one last question that I wanted to address, which actually was kind of a silly question. Uh, well, I guess may- maybe it's kind of a good question. I don't know. It depends on your point of view. So one of the audience members asked him, hey, would you guys ever consider doing a special unplug show? And then Dave just kind of humorously responded, we're, we're an electronic man. We can't unplug. <laughs> but, and it's kind of funny, too. So my 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 friend, uh, uh, Brian Dowdle, who was on the podcast, you know, a few months ago talking about vinyl and he, and he got to attend uh, the Depeche Mode uh, Rose Bowl show because he was old enough. He even made a joke about that on his Facebook account saying like, why, why are you asking him that? That's kind of a waste of a question. <laughs> but, but I guess technically, I mean, they have done, you know, piano solo songs like, you know, they've taken, you know, Shake the Disease and uh, but not tonight and done it all mm-hmm. entirely with piano. And I think there is an acoustic version of uh, uh, Personal Jesus. So I guess it wouldn't be out of the realm to do an acoustic show. So I guess like w- what would you think? Would you want to see him do acoustic versions of some of their songs? You know, I, I, I love every Martin song when Dave's taking a break and Martin does at least his two songs throughout the, uh, the show. Uh, they're, they're typically unplugged. Yeah. You know? um, shake the disease. Of course. Uh, if he does like, but not tonight. Um, somebody, I mean, I, I would love to hear a set of of an unplugged show i think it would be a a different experience it'd be a more calming experience and for those of us who who are taking uh dates uh (laughs) wives and whatnot to our uh to these shows i almost think it'd be a little bit better um a little more romantic of a show you know for for some of these songs um so i think i think there would be i think there would be a desire for that Oh, I think so, too. In fact, what would be really, really cool is if they kind of went, did it like how MTV would do their unplugged concert. So, like, you're in a really small, intimate setting with only maybe max, like, 100 people or 200 people. But at the same time, I mean, uh, for tickets like that, we complain about, you know, the high prices for, <laughs> for you know, <laughs> the, yeah. the the Kia Kia Forum shows. I imagine what those tickets would go for. <laughs> I, like, I, I was texting you, um, I, I've, it's, I've heard it more than once that uh they always play a santa barbara show because that's where martin is mm-hmm. and there is always somewhere in santa barbara where they will set up in a bar or some small venue and play a performance prior to the show um oh, awesome. and it is a word of mouth only you know you you've got to know or find you know somehow find and stumble upon it but that's something I'd love to go find. And that's where I think you'd find that kind of set. Um, you know, it'd, it'd be free, but because they're just doing a warm up gig and a small set or something like that. But 
that would be awesome to see up close and personal. Oh, awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree, Joel. Uh, so, so yeah, let's talk about deep, deep cut songs or songs that we'd like to see on tour. And in fact, going back to the point you had made earlier about combine, I mean, uh, uh, doing a tie in between, uh, the, the black celebration album and Memento Mori, uh, which is kind of interesting. So a deep cut song that I would love to hear them play would be uh fly on the windscreen, which is the second song on the black celebration album. And it's kind of interesting that the lyrical content of that song actually ties in with the Memento Mori theme where it says, uh, yeah, I brought it up here on my, my phone. Uh, Death is everywhere. There are flies on the windscreen for a start reminding us we could be torn apart tonight. So it's kind of almost like, you know, rem- the, the same concept of like, you know, remember you must die, uh, that life is fleeting and short and that, you know, there could be constant reminders around us. But as they mentioned in the press conference, that it's up to us as a human race to to enjoy life and take the most the best we can out of it from what's given to us. So uh, that particular song, the lyrical content, I think fits in perfectly with uh, the theme. I think they're trying to convey with the Memento Mori album. Plus, I mean, it has that really cool it's an electronic song, obviously, but it has that kind of like harder rock song sound to it. So I think that would actually be a perfect song. And I've never heard it live before. So that'd be one of my picks. That would be, yeah, that the, reading the lyrics out, really, yeah, I, I would agree with you. Um, you know, I, I, I think it doesn't matter. Uh, the song, it doesn't matter. Uh, uh, part one or part two, the first one. Well, part two is on Black Celebration. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that in particular. Um, but I think um, part one uh because part one is if this all shatters, nothing lasts forever, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That that one's from uh, the Some Great Reward album. Some Great Reward. Yeah. I think Martin actually does that one, so I, I can't even say that's a that's one that I haven't heard. Uh-huh. Uh, so I, I guess that I, I'd take it back on that. But that would be a, that would be something relating. Uh, I feel like they've already done, uh, but I feel like a lot of their their songs um, that they've already done. Um, relate to love mm-hmm. more so i mean they're dark but when they say like it's not gonna it, it's usually it hasn't been death i feel like and it, you know it may be a, a theme they're trying to use about how love ends or you know relationships and uh question of lust you know or uh yeah world full of nothing or something this is you know yeah. something that it's yeah it's <laughs> It's always a song about the loss of love and not the loss of life. So I feel like Black Celebration and Memento Mori go together well. Um, but I'm trying to think about a song right now that really epitomizes, uh, that would really match the set, something that, that they don't usually play, um, maybe not even on Black Celebration. But, um, you know, that, that was definitely one of their darker ones. Uh exciter was was still in that uh, songs of faith and devotion was a little more lighthearted i think mm-hmm. uh ultra would have uh did ultra have a barrel of a gun yeah okay uh let's see let me look at a couple songs here while i'm just thinking the bottom line these are all love songs is the problem though yeah <laughs> uh well, I think it would still fit, to be honest. In fact, the other uh, song that came to my mind or that I have it here on my notes would be Higher Love, which is the, the last song on Songs of Faith and Devotion. Um, 
And then one that maybe doesn't necessarily fit the the theme so much, but I think it's just a really cool, like, you know, hard-hitting song would be uh, Pleasure Little Treasure, which, again, technically oh. isn't on the, the music for the masses, not the official album release, but it's been on subsequent uh, re-releases, which is pretty cool. Yeah, okay. So that, yeah, I, I would love to hear that song in, in uh, concert. Um, I, I think one that I found that I really think would... Uh, death's door oh yeah that'd be really good yeah on songs of faith and devotion but i think right it's not on the actual album itself uh not on the album. yeah i think it's on one of the uh uh bonus releases but i think it was also a song they did for, uh, as a sound uh a song for a soundtrack to a movie huh okay uh, so until the end of the world i think it's the name of the movie I, I think i remember having that that soundtrack like i bought it on like columbia house I saw there was a, uh, a Depeche Mode song on it. I'm like, oh, cool. I need to get that album. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, there, <laughs> there you go. I think that would be a great one. Uh, okay. Very cool. So, I mean, I, I will definitely hear some surprises, which is pretty cool. I think they do a great job of mixing up their sets. Uh, and then, of course, because they have a huge catalog of songs to choose from, like we definitely will hear some like rare, more obscure, deep cut songs. It's just a matter of which ones. <laughs> yeah, I... I, th- I think, yeah, well, they, they do do a good job. Um, I think when it gets down to it, fans like you and I would would be able to sit here and talk about, uh, you know, 20 songs that they should do, mm-hmm. whereas the set is, you know, 20 songs long and they can't, they've got to fit in their new album. Yeah. They've got to do the, you know, classic Enjoy the Silences and stuff like that, where, you know, so they can only fit, you know, one or two of these older non, you know, that only true fans would really, you know, know or, or recognize. Yeah. You, know, you, don't, you don't want an uh, audience sitting there quietly. You know, you want them to, to be singing along or cheering, cheering you on or you know, making some noise or whatever, showing you that, that, you know, it's got to be hard being Dave up on stage looking down on all these people. If, if everyone's going like, what song is this? Yeah. Like, what, what obscure B-side is this off of or something, you know? No, you're uh, absolutely right. Yeah, mixing in like the the hit singles. So like, you know, putting in the, their their live version of Personal Jesus and Enjoy the Silence and Policy of Truth. And then, you know, uh, new, newer singles that have been really big and popular too, like Precious as well from, uh, from Playing the Angel. But at the same time, you know, I mean, playing also the massive hits too, like... Uh, uh never let me down again and you know, so, so many great ones they can choose but then throw in like you know obscure one here or there which i think would be really fun yeah uh cool cool that was pretty much all the questions i had then so i mean i'm really excited for the tour for the album itself uh, and i think it's going to be fun and like we had speculated i mean it was a possibility that it could have been the end of the pesh mode but as we uh, saw from the press conference. I mean, they honestly believe that Andy would never have wanted them to stop because of his passing. So it's great that they continue on. They may not continue on for much longer, but we're at least going to get this tour. And I'm really excited that I get to take my wife because she's never been. And it's kind of one of those bucket list things because she knows how much I love this band. Uh, so I can't imagine like not uh, our marriage not going to at least one Depeche Mode concert. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm glad that it sounds like she's looking forward to it. Oh yeah, yeah, she's really excited. Yeah. Uh, was there anything else from the press conference you wanted to bring up or or discuss, or anything else related to Depeche Mode? Uh, from the press conference, I I, uh, 
I'm trying to trying to think of uh, what what may have been. No, I think I think it was interesting. I think it was uh, it was definitely good to hear their you know their thoughts on on Andy and knowing that they're moving forward with the music and all that. But uh, that's that's all. I'm I'm glad that they did not call it quits because of Andy. Mm-hmm. So I think that's that's my big takeaway from 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 their uh, interview. Well, yeah, yeah, me too. Very cool, very cool. Was there anything else for tonight, or are we good to wrap up? I I think we're we're good. Um, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. No, no, perfect, perfect. Thanks, Joel. I mean, again, it's been a really great conversation just chatting the Pesh mode and you know talking about the the press conference, which was interesting and informative. But at the same time, like you mentioned, I mean, again, uh, they, they should probably fire that lady and hire you and I to do the interview <laughs> next time. <laughs> uh, you more probably than I. I, okay. I would just sit there asking them about their songs all day or something, you know, yeah. <laughs> or the meaning behind songs. I think that's something that intrigues me. And I, I think that'd be a fun uh, interview to do, um, breaking down some of our favorite songs as to, you know, research we've done on what we think they mean behind them. Uh, you know, or what what mindset they were in while they were doing them or, you know, that kind of thing. Because uh, there are definitely some songs where you just listen to the lyrics and you're like, this is really good lyrics, but I have no idea what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, it's kind of kind of interesting. So, I mean, this whole weekend, I just been on the Depeche Mode kick, you know, you know, excited that I was able to secure tickets at a reasonable price. Uh, so I've just been listening to the songs on, on uh, YouTube music on random play and then, you know, Fly on the Windscreen came up. And I was really paying really close attention to the lyrics. I'm thinking this is a perfect song for this tour. It should be really, really great. So there, there's probably tons of other songs you can go forth and pick. And like, yeah, I think this would be fun, fun too. And to do a little bit of a analytical, like uh, uh, decision, or like uh, not decisions. I'm sorry, more like uh, yeah, analyzing the songs for for deeper meanings and like you know what the lyrical content could be about. Uh, because again, I mean, it's it's really cool that maybe uh, maybe musically they haven't been quite the same with with alan departing but the lyrics i mean have been martin from the very beginning which is really really cool so yeah yeah and if you want to hear uh vince clark uh you know and go listen to yaz <laughs> yeah, <Zulu. laughs> but i think it'd be cool if they brought him back for a set or you know or a song or two uh, you know it, i think it'd be cool if they they just rotated out alan and vince uh for a couple songs in this set and uh you know paying tribute to andy and and uh, you know people who have worked alongside him mm-hmm. and are able to do him justice and, and you know bring his memory back around so oh absolutely yeah yeah perfect well okay well if there's nothing else for tonight let's go ahead and wrap up but uh joel thank you so much for joining me to chat the pesh mode it's always a fun time for me uh looking forward to this album and for this tour and yeah definitely looking forward to having you on the podcast again in the future Oh, thanks for having me, Albert. And I appreciate uh, getting a call back here. So let me know uh, whenever you want to talk to Pesh Mode. Oh, absolutely. And anything else that we love too. So Batman, Pasadena, whatever it is, I definitely love having you on just to talk. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Yep. Okay. So you've been listening to the, the Casting for Fun podcast. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>